Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. Now, I know that you've heard the story about Jesus taking a few loaves of bread and a few fish and feeding this, like, concert hall quantity of people. But have you ever thought about what what we, like you and me, should really take from that? What's the point? Well, here's a spoiler alert. <laughs> when we, When we trust that Jesus is king, when we really trust that Jesus is king, we will act in faith even when we know that we don't have a lot to give. And my friends, we can think about that materially, but we can also think about it like educationally, right? Maybe you don't have a theological education, but what you've got, you can give. So welcome back to today's slice of our journey through the Bible together in a year, reading through every word of God's self-revelation and considering our own lives in light of that. And my friends, obviously, we're going to be reading one of these more famous narratives about Jesus feeding a bunch of people. But I want you to go for some extra credit today. Here's the extra credit version. Right before the story of feeding a bunch of people is a story about Jesus sending out his disciples. Now, what do you think Luke might have been communicating by putting these two stories like together in the order that he did? Well, today we read... We pick up Mark chapter 6 at verse 7, and it's a long chapter, so we're going to finish it on out. A lot of time in the New Testament today. Here we go. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, no money in their belts, but, but to wear sandals and not put on an extra shirt. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and and healed them. Now King Herod heard about it because Jesus' name had become well known. Some said, well, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that's why miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, "Uh, he's Elijah. And still others said, "Uh, he's a prophet like one of the prophets from long ago. Now, when Herod heard of it, he said, John, the one I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had given orders to arrest John and to chain him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. Now, John had been telling Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias held a grudge against him, meaning John, and wanted to kill him. But she couldn't because Herod feared John and protected him knowing he was a righteous and holy man. And when Herod heard him, he would be very perplexed, and and yet he liked to listen to him. 
An opportune time came on his birthday, when Herod gave a banquet for his nobles, military commanders, and the leading men of Galilee, and when Herodias' own daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want, and, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. And she went out and, and said to her mother, What should I ask for? And her mother said, John the Baptist's head. At once she hurried to the king and said, I want you to give me John the Baptist's head on a platter, immediately. And although the king was deeply distressed because of his oaths and the guests, he didn't want to refuse her. And the king immediately sent for an executioner and commanded him to bring John's head. So he went and beheaded John in prison, brought the head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. And then the girl gave it to her mother. And when John's disciples heard about it, they came and removed his corpse and placed it in a tomb. Now the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and, and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. So they went away in a boat by themselves to a remote place, but, but many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and, and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted, and it's already late. Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And Jesus responded, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And Jesus asked them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. And then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, and he took the five loaves and the two fish and... Looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all, and everyone ate and was satisfied. And they picked up twelve baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. And now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he said goodbye to them, he went away to the mountain to pray. And well into the night, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. He saw them straining at the oars, because the wind was against them. And very early in the morning, he came toward them, walking on the sea, and wanted to pass by them. When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, because they all saw him and, and were terrified. 
Immediately he spoke with them and said, Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. They were completely astounded because they had not understood about the loaves. Instead, their hearts were hardened. And when they had crossed over, they came to the shore at Gennesaret and anchored there. And as they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized him, and they hurried throughout that region and began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard Jesus was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch just the end of his robe. And everyone who touched it was healed. And there we go. That's uh, a long Mark chapter 6. So, Jesus sends out his disciples, right, in faith as shepherds with power and authority and a message of repentance, which isn't too popular always, right? (laughs) As we heard in the Herod story. But my friends, just like them being sent out, like he said, don't take anything with you. In a way, it might seem like we don't have much to bring, but what we do have, like they, is our story, our testimony. And when we trust that Jesus is king, when we really trust that, I believe we'll act in faith even when we only have a little bit to give, to share. So, in a way, (laughs) don't let the meal crowd crowd out the cook. And we will miss a work of God in our midst when we operate in fear and blindness instead of faith. And in that context, we're going to turn back to our Old Testament segment. Today is going to be a little bit shorter. And I'm actually going to kind of back up a few verses and pick up um, just a little bit back where we were yesterday. So God helps Saul succeed as king by giving him everything he needs to succeed, right? Power, wisdom, money, military success. And in a way, you know, we, if there's a lesson, we should take the job because when God calls us, he will equip us. So we're going to back up, pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 11, just a little before the end of the chapter um, at verse 14, so that you can hear this up through Samuel's final speech. This is an important turning point. Here we go. Then Samuel said to all the people, Come, let's go to Gilgal so we can renew the kingship there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there in the Lord's presence they made Saul king. There they sacrificed fellowship offerings in the Lord's presence, and Saul And all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. And then Samuel said to all Israel, I have carefully listened to everything you said to me and placed a king over you. Now you can see that the king is leading you. And as for me, I am old and gray, and my sons are here with you. I have led you from my youth until now, and here I am. Bring charges against me before the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox or donkey have I taken? Who have I wronged or mistreated? 
who gave me a briber to overlook anything, I will return it to you. Pause. That's obviously like rhetorical questions, right? <laughs> I haven't taken any bribes and I haven't taken anybody's stuff, right? I haven't wronged anybody. But he's going, bring charges against me if you got something. Continuing. They responded, you haven't wronged us, you haven't mistreated us, and you haven't taken anything from anyone. And he said to them, the Lord is a witness against you, and his anointed is a witness today that you haven't found anything in my hand. And they said, he is a witness. And then Samuel said to the people, the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and who brought your ancestors up from the land of Egypt, he is a witness. Now present yourselves so you may, so I may confront you before the Lord about all the righteous acts he has done for you and your ancestors. When Jacob went to Egypt, your ancestors cried out to the Lord and he sent them Moses and Aaron who led your ancestors out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God. So he handed them over to Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, to the Philistines and to the king of Moab, and these enemies fought against them. And then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned, for we abandoned the Lord and worshipped the Baals and the Ashtoreths. Now rescue us from the power of our enemies, and, and we will serve you. So the Lord sent Jeroboam. Remember, that's Gideon. So the Lord sent Jeroboam, Barak, Jephthah, and Samuel. He rescued you from the power of the enemies around you, and you lived securely. But when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was coming against you, you said to me, No, we must have a king reign over us, even though the Lord, your God, is your king. Now here is the king you've chosen, the one you've requested. Look, this is the king the Lord has placed over you. If you fear the Lord... Worship and obey him. And if you don't rebel against the Lord's command, then both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. However, if you disobey the Lord and rebel against his command, the Lord's hand will be against you as it was against your ancestors. Now, therefore, present yourselves and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Isn't the wheat harvest today? I will call on the Lord and he will send thunder and rain so that you will recognize what an immense evil you committed in the Lord's sight by requesting a king for yourselves. And Samuel called on the Lord and on that day the Lord sent thunder and rain and as a result all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel and they pleaded with Samuel saying, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so we won't die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of requesting a king for ourselves. And Samuel replied, Don't be afraid. Even though you have committed all this evil, don't turn away from following the Lord. Instead, worship the Lord with all your heart. Don't turn away to follow worthless things that can't profit or rescue you. They are worthless. The Lord will not abandon his people because of his great name and because he has determined to make you his own people. As for me, 
I vow that I will not sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I will teach you the good and right way. Above all, fear the Lord and worship Him faithfully with all your heart. Consider the great things He has done for you. However, if you continue to do what is evil, both you and your king will be swept away. And my friends, that is Samuel's final warning. What do you think? Uh, I got to say this. Um, as a minister, <laughs> this is 1 Samuel 12, 23. This verse is always weighty on my heart. He says, as for me, this is Samuel. Listen to his heart. I vow that I will not sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I will teach you the good and right way. My goodness, uh, I sometimes have committed the sin of not praying for the right for the people that the Lord has charged me with. I will confess that to you right here and now, and uh, I'm sorry about that. So, what do God's people need to remember? Right, their success is entirely dependent on their faithfulness to the Lord, and, and importantly, we can't do it alone. Right, The king can't do it without the people, and the people can't do it without the king, but it all depends on serving God faithfully. And according to our theme today, when we trust that Jesus is king, we will act in faith even when we don't have a lot to give. Now, interestingly, turning to our wisdom segment, that includes discipline, right? What we can do which could be disciplining ourselves, or as you're going to hear, like a father with a son, the Lord disciplines those he loves for their good. Psalm 38, a little bit longer one today, talking about um, three things in discipline, love, pain, and hope. Psalm 38, a psalm of David to bring remembrance. Lord, do not punish me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me and your hand has pressed down on me. There is no soundness in my body because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have flooded over my head. They are a burden too heavy for me to bear. My wounds are foul and festering because of, because of my foolishness. I am bent over and brought very low. All day long I go around in mourning, for my insides are full of burning pain, and there is no soundness in my body. I am faint and severely crushed. I groan because of the anguish of my heart. Lord, my every desire is in front of you, my sighing is not hidden from you. My heart races, my strength leaves me, even the light of my eyes has faded. My loved ones and my friends stand back from my affliction, and my relatives stand at a distance. Those who intend to kill me set traps, and those who want to harm me threaten to destroy me. They plot treachery all day long. I'm like a deaf person. I do not hear. 
I'm like a speechless person who does not open my mouth. I'm like a man who does not hear and has no arguments in his mouth. For I put I put my hope in you, Lord. You will answer me, my Lord, my God. For I said, don't let them rejoice over me. Those who are arrogant toward me when I stumble. For I am about to fall. and My pain is constantly with me. So I confess my iniquity. I am anxious because of my sin. But my enemies are vigorous and powerful. Many hate me for no reason. Those who repay evil for good attack me for pursuing good. Lord, do not abandon me. My God, do not be far from me. Hurry to help me, my Lord, my salvation. My friends, that is Psalm 38. I hope you heard that there is love in the discipline of the Lord, even if there is pain and there is ultimately hope. Lord, we realize that when we trust you, that Jesus is king, that we act in faith or we should respond with a heart that wants to pursue you even when we don't have a lot to give. Lord, I pray that you would just touch the person listening right here, right now, whether it is knowledge or money or time or whatever it might be, Lord, that you would just remind them of your love, your sovereignty, and that you can take what they willingly offer and achieve your purposes with it. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.